Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7? Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Hey, this is Dave. I just realized that I'm having microphone problems, so this podcast was recorded in poor audio quality. I apologize in advance. We should be back to form next week. We're considering running back value for the next three seasons on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Deal Dash, the FFPC, Sunday Ticket, Bet Online, and Fan Draft. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. Uh, caveat here, we are recording this on Sunday night. There's bound to be, when you are listening to this on Friday, some big news that has broken since then. Uh, I just wanted to make everyone aware of that. Also, we will be recording with a special guest later in the week. Uh, the Podfather Fantasy Mansion, Matt Kelly himself. If you have any topics or questions that you want to hear um, us talk about on that show, any arguments that you want to manufacture between the two Matts, please send them in. Uh, Rotovizradio at gmail.com or send them to Matt and I on Twitter. Um, at Dave Cabin FF and at Matt F the Oracle. How's it going, Matt? Uh, it's going okay. One, I just want to say, I don't know if I would say that Matt Kelly is a special guest. 
Uh, he doesn't get, you know, preferential treatment. He's he's a guest. He, he has to earn yeah. it like every other guest we ever have. Okay. Okay. Yes, that's that, that's true. Um, I I just think that you know with the amount of guests that we do have, when we have a guest, that in and of itself is kind of special. I'm I'm not going to concede that. Okay. All right. Uh, do you know if audio of that first podcast that you did with Matt is available out there anywhere on the on the interwebs? Uh, like first podcast ever. That we yeah, did like together? I think this was back like 2014, 2015. Yeah. Uh, like the one that we we did on uh, Road of His Radio back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I might have that somewhere. Uh, that was a nightmare, and uh, I it was supposed to be a show that i think was you know like 30 maybe it's supposed to be an hour but i had like i think almost two hours of audio and um it had to be recorded at different times and then there were complications so i had to stitch different things together it it was ridiculous i mean it ended up being fine but it was ridiculous yes okay um, also another thing that I wanted to talk to you about before in the show that I don't know if I ever have once upon a time, I think it was an episode where Denny, you might've had on as a guest or whatnot, but you were talking about, you were at a wedding with fondue. Yeah. yeah. And I've always wanted to hear you retell the story. I don't think that tonight's the night, but do you even yeah. know what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I do. Um, yeah, it's the, you are the cheese story, I think. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So anyway, I, I do, I do remember that. And I wanted Denny because, uh, at the time he was really just coming into his own as the master of bad food takes. Uh, I wanted him to weigh in on, uh, on the food take and whether I was ridiculous or the, uh, the woman in question was ridiculous. And, yeah. uh, I think he thought the entire situation was ridiculous and that I was asking him the question was ridiculous. Um, but I don't think, I don't think he actually came down on one side or the other. Right. Well, I still owe the listeners out there, the, the, the couple of people that did actually support this being a good idea, the, the villains episode, I got tied up in some things and then just couldn't justify putting out an episode on that, um, you know, like peak fantasy season. So right. maybe we can lump that in. Sure. Um, with all of that behind us, let's take a moment for the FFPC stat attack of the week. 25. That's the number of 80 spot, ADP spots that Cole Beasley has creeped up in the last two weeks. Last year, saw 105 targets, six receptions, 1.8 PPR points per opportunity. I don't know if we mentioned his name yet. I saw that ADP creep, and I figured we have to talk about this. As a reminder, the FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. Um, Mike Beers and I actually are going to be drafting a main event team um, this summer. So I'm looking forward to that. Hope that uh, we will see you there to learn more or to join a league. Head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we've got a bunch of tools at Rotoviz that will help you dominate your FFPC leagues. Uh, let's talk about the Buffalo wide receiving core being led by Josh Allen. We know that Stefan Diggs is going to step in. It should be the primary option there. Let's talk about the other receivers on this team and Cole Beasley. One, is there any reason that you can think of that Cole Beasley is experiencing this resurgence? Uh, and, you know, is he going to be fantasy relevant? Um, I have no idea why people would be looking at Cole Beasley. 
Um, maybe it's an instance where, uh, you know, people who are a little, a little fishier, uh, at fantasy football, uh, are starting to do more drafts. Uh, and so they're just looking at Beasley, looking at the final season numbers and being like, yeah, uh, I could see how he does something like that. Uh, and so they're just, you know, kind of artificially, you know, elevating his, uh, his ADP, but I don't know. There's, I don't think there's any reason to be excited by him. Um, I was looking at the numbers I have projected for him. Um, by the way, I should, uh, shamelessly plug, uh, <laughs> the, the tool that, uh, we released recently at, um, at action network. It has my projections in it, which, uh, aren't nearly as valuable as the projections from Sean corner and Chris Raybon. Uh, you can look at all of our projections in there, uh, together or separately, and you can customize a cheat sheet based on your league settings, uh, and, and draft based on our projections. But, uh, I'm looking at the projections I have right now for Beasley and then looking at the projections Sean corner has and Chris Raybon has, uh, cause I just kind of wanted to see if, um, maybe I'm too low. I have him for around 500 yards, uh, Chris Raybon has him for 450 yards and then Sean corner has him for 566. So we're basically all in the 450 to 550 vicinity, which uh, means that there's absolutely no reason to be excited about Cole Beasley. So I have him 80 targets, 52 wrecks, 600 yards, three touchdowns. That's 131 PPR points. So you are more optimistic on him than all three of us. Correct. Yeah. Um, but not optimistic enough that um I would see I, I don't personally see myself really drafting him in any leagues. No, like what's the really what is the point? Like there is no point in drafting Cole Beasley. I could, you know, maybe see um I can maybe see John Brown within that same offense, but you know, of course you have to pay more for John Brown. Like if Cole Beasley has the best version of this season that's still not going to make a big difference for you. At least I, I don't believe it will. Right. Cause if you look at other players that are in kind of that point range in my projections, you see guys like Corey Davis, Traquan Smith, Mohammed Sanu. I think those players, I can come up with more scenarios where maybe like I'm way off and they outscore what I expected versus, you know, the, the amount of possibilities where I see that happening with Cole Beasley or anybody not named Diggs or Brown in Buffalo's receiving game. Yeah. So I, I mean, here's, here's the thing. If, if like anyone like KJ Hamler is available in the draft range of like Cole Beasley, or like if John Ross is available in that draft range, like take the guy who's explosive, you know, like the guy who's young, the guy who, if things like break, right, could end up having like multiple weeks where he wins a, a league for you. You know, like I, I just don't see it with Cole Beasley. No, I don't either. So needless to say, when I am using FanDraft's Fantasy Football Online Draft Board, my team's walk-up music plays, we are not selecting Cole Beasley. There's a lot of players that I will be pumped to be taking um, when using FanDraft, which makes your draft feel like the actual NFL draft with features such as a streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logos, team walk-up songs, multiple draft board displays, and more. You have those online drafts. You plug it into a projector, a big screen TV. It's like you're at the actual thing. If you can't do your draft online, all of the league owners in your league will be able to join the draft remotely. 
they can handle you know your traditional leagues auction style drafts a lot of fun uh fan draft also supports idp leagues rookie only drafts keepers and just about any customization to meet your league requirements if you want to keep people invested in your league this year have that high energy draft really have an awesome experience sign up for a free trial account at fandraft.com see what it's all about and when you're ready to order the pro account make sure to use the promo code rotoviz15 to save 15 percent off your purchase again this is a fantastic way to get everybody back and ready for football and the fantasy football season fandraft.com use the promo code rotoviz15 to save 15 percent so as i said matt um at the end of last or the end of the the first episode of the week toward the end of it i said that our show to close out the week was going to be a little bit different um you may remember when i started talking about the range of outcomes app and granted, you there was a little bit of user error in the things that you were saying. One of the conversations that we had was if you're doing some type of projection building process where the calculations that you're doing are looking to find matching players and then seeing how those players have matched in other seasons, you were saying that despite mathematically a formula that does a better job of actually predicting fantasy points, there's a large part of you that wanted to create matches that you view as appropriate matches. So if you see a Calvin Johnson in a comp for a player, he better be a player like Julio Jones who actually shares some of those characteristics. You don't want to see Stefan Diggs getting matched to a player like Calvin, or you don't want to see Calvin Johnson as a match for a player like Diggs. Do you remember this conversation? Yes, I, I remember derailing the show. And I should say, like, I'm probably wrong. Like, I get the um I, I get the idea of like if the numbers are there, that is what matters most. And that's probably accurate. But um I still have like this uh I don't know, like caveman like sense within me that the the numbers are fairly reliant on a lot of other things. Um yep. and uh and so I don't know. I just feel like uh, it passes the eyeball test if a lot of the comps kind of match up just in terms right. of like their style of play or their style of athleticism. So I actually, if people are, if people are waiting for me to just pull out some numbers, they're just going to like, you know, really try to support my position here. That's not where I'm going with it. So actually, I wanted to write an article where we would try to get at better or other ways to value players in what I would consider the long-term, more from a dynasty perspective. So if we're saying, you know, at the current point today, if I'm trying to move Joe Mixon off of my team, what really does he look like in the next three-year window in dynasty? So I said, well, why don't I take the same approach that I've been doing with the Range of Outcomes app, that I've been doing with the GLSP projections, and set up something else where the when I run the model, um, it finds players that have performed similarly to this, you know, to the player being searched at that point in their career on their age, on their games, on their simple rushing stats. So that I can look back maybe 20 years, match these players and then say the players that they get matched to, what did their next three seasons look like as another way to try to get a play. So you're, you're with me there, right? That, Part makes sense 
Yeah. I, I mean, I like that yep. idea a lot. Um, yep. it's actually pretty similar, I think to what, um, to what, I mean, I don't want to say like, I don't, I'm imagining I'm not doing it at the level of sophistication that you are doing it when, yep. um, when it comes to looking at the production that we've gotten from guys in the NFL and then projecting that forward to their next three years. But it's really similar, I think, to what I do when I'm looking at guys entering the league, you know, like yep. like player prospects and thinking, what are they going to do within their first three years in the league? Like, I'm looking to optimize for the three years, not for like, what does this guy do as a rookie? Yeah. So I then had, there's a couple of debates that I've been having, and I actually thought it might be interesting because I did hear from some people that thought it was an interesting concept they were talking about last time. So I'm still in the process of working this out to turn it into an article. And I actually was thinking about this, that there's really like two or three big decisions to make here. One decision is, do I use per game numbers or do I use total numbers? So being like for Saquon Barkley at this point, you know, he's had 478 rushes, 2,310 rushing yards. So I break these out into games or do I go with the full long season totals and i think that the correct answer for this case is you use the totals um because if we're trying to if we're considering more of like a long-term career-based type of approach here which is i think what we'd be doing in this exercise i think one would want to use the total numbers as opposed to looking at per game numbers what do you think about that i would say if there's a way you could do a hybrid that feels more accurate because um, while the, the totals are important and like while you do want to try to take volume into account uh, and you don't want to overweight what someone has done on the smaller sample, you know, like what happens on a per game basis, I think is pretty important, um, both because I like I do think it is representative and then fantasy is still, uh, you know, like on a week to week level. Uh, so I don't know, like an intuitive part of me prefers per game, but would try to scale it some way so that it's weighted more with the more games that you have. Mm, I actually like that thought. So you're saying if player a has 20 games, their points per game numbers could get factored into the model more than when you have a player who's played like 60 games. I guess what I'm saying is the guy who's played 60 games, you, I think like the base is looking at stuff on a per game basis. Yeah. But the guy who, yeah, the guy who's played 60 games, his like the confidence intervals with him are more certain. Whereas they're less certain with a guy who's played only 20 games. And so you have to kind of adjust him uh, closer to the baselines. Adjust that player closer with the baselines being the, like the, the general baseline of what's like a running back might do, for instance. Oh, okay. All right. I think I've got you there. Okay. That's interesting. Um, I had thought about the hybrid piece as we're actually talking about that though. I think that you make me think that there's probably a formula that I could generate that is going to determine depending upon like the, like an intersection of the player's age or experience in games played, how much it's going to weight in per game numbers versus total numbers, which is kind of, I think what you're saying. So 
the other interesting piece was I felt like in this case, I actually almost want the formula to have pretty similar weightings across the things that I'm including versus just getting at the fantasy points in the upcoming three seasons and predicting that as well as it could. Because when you're going out three years, you're only going to be so accurate. And I think that trying to contextualize a particular player as somebody's looking through these matches on all of these variables for three years is really not going to be intuitive. So I felt like in this case, it actually might make more sense to keep things relatively flat. Um, So what I thought we could do is with that in mind, Matt, I am actually, while I'm sitting here, making a couple of tweaks to this um, this model. And we're actually going to look for the players, the running backs that you want to. We're going to review these results, talk about these players, and see like what you actually think and try to get a sense if this matches up with the output of the tool. How do you, how do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Let me just finish punching in my numbers here. Um, I don't know if you have any interest in filibustering as I try to finish that. I forgot to do this before the show started. No, I just like hearing the background of you uh, clicking on your keyboard. Uh, I think all listeners of the podcast could really enjoy that. Um, One thing I would be interested in when it comes to your tool is you've talked about factoring in things besides just production. So factoring in age. Um, are you factoring in also uh, a guy's size or like any of his measurables? Uh, what I elected to do so far, and perhaps I will, cheek, will tweak, but I haven't. We have age, year, height, weight, draft position. That's the only one that I'm factoring in less than other variables because mm-hmm. we know yeah. that, you know, for players, it only matters so much. But I did want to keep that in because, you know, for a guy that's year two, year three, even it might right. matter. Right. Um, so I would be interested in, because this is using sort of like a, like a Pakoda style or yep. like, so, so I would be interested in knowing, and this is always a question, but like uh, how you factor in outliers. So, you know, someone like, um, like Austin Eckler, who yep. is, you know, smaller anyway, um, who was undrafted uh, and you know, who on his own is just, you know, an outlier in terms of his efficiency. Uh, I feel like it's harder to, uh, to come up with a comp group uh, to, to project him for the next three years. Yes. So that's a good question. Generally, what I would have to do here is when a player's matches get brought up, uh, this is where we're kind of getting into a complicated answer. But you have the tool know or get like a relative idea of how close the matches that you are finding are. And then you can either do a sliding scale or you can have some point where if it misses that cutoff, then it knows that the numbers that get projected need to be scaled up, either up or down some way. That's like the least technical answer I can give. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that's good. Okay, perfect. So who do you want to start with as we as we evaluate this? Let's say uh, Saquon. Saquon, perfect. Saquon Barkley. All right, so at this point in his career, um, and the age is going to be the age that the player was in the last season that they played. So 22 years of age, two years in the league, 
72 inches, 233, drafted second overall, 29 games, 478 rushes, 2,310 yards, 17 rushing touchdowns. I don't know if I need to read all of these off. 194 targets, 143 wrecks, uh, 1,159 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. Who do you think that are players that uh, – actually, let's do it like this. Who do you think are a couple of players that you think Barkley should get matched to? I would imagine that uh, Ezekiel Elliott is probably in that group. Um, I don't know. I don't know who else. But uh, that like <laughs> like shooting, I, I don't want to. I don't want to spend the time thinking of other guys. Yeah, that's I, fine. I would say like shooting yeah. from the hip. Um, like Derrick Henry. Phil, sorry, not Derrick Henry. Uh, Zeke feels like he should be in that group. Yep. So interestingly enough, Zeke is not. Uh, okay. I will read you the top couple of names. You have Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Amon Green, Edger and James, Deuce McAllister, Kevin Jones, Ricky Williams, Darren McFadden, Eddie Lacy, David Johnson, and Ladanian Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, having now done this, the way in which you know you we were talking about that episode prior, how do those names feel as matches to you? Uh, they feel pretty decent, um, but I would say. You know, like I think Saquon is someone who kind of raises the flag on this yep. because he missed some games. And, you know, like if he stays healthy, he's going to crush what he did last year. But last year is like half of what the basis is for him projecting forward in terms of his production, you know? Yeah. Um, that's actually a really. Um... I think you're right. This is one of those examples where it's really telling because you should have a player like Barkley who, um, well, is, is hard to do with something like this to be in, the, in, in general. But I think you're right that with just the 29 games, he's missing some of that production that you could reasonably say he would have had. Yeah. Um, so as I'm sure people are actually, I, I'm sure people are more interested less about our discussion, but what the numbers actually say when you run them. So in this configuration, again, this is not something I've completely settled on. Um, if you do a distribution of this, you put it in a histogram, the center of it is somewhere between 12 to 16 points. So, you know, like the average is in there mm-hmm. somewhere around 14 points. Um, you have um, of players going over, 16 points you have about a quarter of it then you have like only one or two players below that six points and everywhere else is around 10 um if you're projecting sake one out in your mind uh where do you think that like your average point projection for him across his next three seasons would lie um higher than where you have it so you yeah, i think you said is it 12 to 16 is the, the yep. median there for him yeah, that's where, you know, the largest numbers of his matches are sitting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, f- I feel like maybe 18 feels a little bit better. But I would just say if we're thinking, this is more qualitative, but thinking about yep. where Saquon would rank uh, among those guys that you mentioned, like within their first, let's say just two years or whatever in the league, that's not the best way to do it. But I would say like he's near the top of the list of all of those guys. You know, right. so like if I know what the comp group is for him, I would just look at it and be like, this isn't the best comp group. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, so I don't know how interesting people are finding this. Um, I personally find it fairly interesting. So I, I find it interesting. So I say we continue to talk about let's it. Let's continue along with it. All right. 
<laughs> I love it. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, we have a couple of sponsors to hear from, um, but we will be back with more after we take a quick break. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays. Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday Ticket.tv. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday Ticket.tv is your key to get the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code ROTOVIZ or DealDash.fm forward slash ROTOVIZ. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M forward slash ROTOVIZ. All right, Matt, who do you want to think about next? You're going to hate this one. Yep. Okay. Ronald Jones. <laughs> no, this is actually really interesting. Um, and I actually have, have looked at this one, so I know that the comp group, it's an interesting mix, as you might expect. Um, so Ronald Jones, 22 years of age, uh, two years, height 7'1", weight 205 was drafted 38 at this point 7000 or well that'd be a lot of yards 768 rushing yards seven rushing touchdowns 38 wrecks uh 342 receiving yards i'll list off his top 10 matches okay donald brown amir abdullah joseph die brandon jackson clinton portis felix jones darren mcfadden no moreno chris johnson bernard pierce that's a pretty mixed bag, isn't it? I think that's honestly a pretty good group. Yeah. I, w- I would say most people would not think of him as belonging in that group. Yep. So why do you think that is a good group then? Uh, because you had a lot of guys who, uh, two things. One, uh, actually did well, or at least had the opportunity to do well. And I think that's what we're going to see out of Jones in the future. Like, I think he either will do well or at least will have the opportunity to do well. And, you know, like, really, that's as much as you can hope for. Yeah. And you know what the interesting thing about this, too, is if I continue down, you actually, st- like, outside of his closest matches, you actually do continue to see a number of guys that would get you interested. And then some other players where it's like, mm, I don't really care at all. But you do have guys like, um, Jamal Charles in there, CJ Spiller, LaShawn McCoy, Giovanni Bernard, Lamar Miller. I mean, you're um, just, you're exciting me, you know. Deshaun like, Foster, Tevin Coleman. But, you know, then there's like a J.R. Redmond. So, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, um, and, and so here's the thing. Yep. We are looking at his total numbers. And I would say that what happened in 2018 is almost irrelevant. You know, yep. like what matters is what he did in 2019. Right. Of course, though, I would say, though, that do we know that 2018 doesn't matter? Because I could say to you, perhaps what we're trying to do is get profiles of players that struggled in year one, then improved in year two, and then we're trying to see what they did. Like, I guess, so is your personal opinion that if you're evaluating a player, it only really matters what they've done, like once their like good years have come? Because I think he did have opportunity in year one. It just didn't materialize into anything. I would say it's not that it's his good year. It's that like when he's out there on the field, you know, like he had only 23 carries as a rookie. He had only yeah. nine targets as a rookie. Um, I just, I honestly don't think it is that, um, that applicable to, right. to what he's going to do for the next three years. Like he had no game at all in his rookie season where he had even a 33% snap share. And on the one hand, like you could say, okay, that is representative of the skill level that he possesses. And maybe that is actually the case, but, um, I don't, I don't think it's applicable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or here's maybe another way for, I mean it, like, I think it's applicable, but it has to be underweighted relative right. to his most recent season. Yeah. So actually, um, as we've been talking through this, that's one of the things I've been thinking that would improve this is putting a weighting on to the most recent season and then definitely putting in a um, uh, some type of weighting on to points per, or kind of like, he, as you had phrased it, like a hybrid between points per game and total season. And actually, I'm thinking like a sliding scale so that seasons that led up to, if you have a player that's been in the league like eight years, you know, you don't want that first season having as much weight in the model necessarily as the sixth year Uh, i'll have to look at that a little bit um for those of you at home that are curious though his comps average out to in this specific configuration average out to 10.4 with the largest concentration coming between 9 and 11 and then underneath that 7 to 9 but it gets interesting because you do see three players going between 13 and 15 and then four between 17 and 19 and it's really interesting because this lines up with some of the divide that we see with Jones when we hear analysts talking about them. You know, some people wanting to write him off, some people thinking he's average, and other people saying, no, he's an explosive player that is going to be pretty good. Um, so, you know, like, I guess this would speak to the fact that uh, it is really hard to know with a player like Jones. Where do you want to go next? Uh, where do I want to go next? Uh, one thing. I would say just not that this yep. should really impact the way that you view Jones, but at some point I think do a, like a PFR search where you look at the number of 22 year old running backs drafted, let's say in the first three rounds uh, who had uh, a thousand yard season, a thousand yards from scrimmage, and then just see who those guys are. I think it's going to be a good list. Um, okay. Yes. So yep. the, the guy I want to look at next, um, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. All right, let's do it. 
Can I ask if you are bringing in Derrick Henry because the biophysical profile is so hard to match? Is that one of your reasons? Uh, no, although that, that is a little more interesting. I'm just kind of interested in a guy who's very, uh, like ground focused, who doesn't have the receiving, uh, or like the receiving production to this point in his career. And also a guy who has like a very clean, uh, demarcation between like when he was being heavily used and when he wasn't. Got it. All right. Um, so for everyone that's interested at this point, uh, Derek Henry, 25, four years in the league, 7'5", 247, 57 wrecks, 578 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns versus 3,832 rushing yards and 38 rushing touchdowns. All right. The top match is Brandon Jacobs, followed by Anthony Thomas, Kevin Barlow, Jonathan Stewart, Antoine Smith, Chris Brown, Adrian Peterson, Corey Dillon, Deuce McAllister, and Eddie Lacy. Quick okay. thoughts on that group. Okay, so you said the first name was Brandon Jacobs, right? Yep. Yeah. And then who was the second one? Anthony Thomas. Anthony Thomas. That's uh that's what I was thinking. Um that's uh that's A train, right? Uh yep. yes, that is A train. Uh I mm, I don't see it. That's no. So th- what is wrong with that comp? Um physically, it's a pretty decent comp. It matches up with uh, are you laughing about oh no no, no, no i'm not, not laughing I'm not. it's uh okay it's just it's my mic uh background okay so uh physically pretty decent matchup uh second rounder that matches up the thing is like their production um is pretty much flipped where most of anthony thomas's production came in his first season uh mm-hmm. or, or or we should say like his first three seasons um, and so by the time his fourth season was over, he was basically going out of the league. He had, I mean, signed, you know, as a free agent with some other teams, but like he was never used again, like a lead back. And that was just something that was like fairly clear, you know? So yeah. like, I would just say that that's again, another one of those situations where the overall numbers look as if they might be applicable, but because of the way that they are, um, proportioned that's not the right word but whatever uh the way that they're distributed um yep. it's just it's not a good comp yeah that's interesting and um yeah so his his points per game across the remainder of the next three seasons which i'm not even sure if he actually did play the three was only 3.7 um which is pretty low compared to the rest of these players so his largest distribution comes somewhere between eight and ten um, and it's interesting because it's actually like an equal distribution um, on both sides. So that puts him as a player that, according to this methodology, would probably go somewhere around nine points in half PPR leagues across the next three years. Uh, does that pass your sniff test? Uh, yeah. I mean, eh, no, actually. Like, I think <laughs> I think this would it, – it's really weird because normally we think more – like larger data sets are better, but I think there might be more accuracy if this focused solely on what happened the year before or the two years before, and then had some sort of weighting system instead of taking in Derrick Henry's four years. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're saying that an interesting thing to do would be to try doing something similar the underlying math could probably be the same but it's only 
looking at with it being 2019 now it's only looking at derrick henry 2018 derrick henry 2019 saying okay he was 24 and 25 with three years and four years experience these are the numbers find matches from those you know you know in that um with those parameters and then see what those players did yeah to try to kind of match the sweet spot of age the sweet spot of experience uh the production that's been accumulated within like a a relevant uh sample of games um like it's just the question is like how do you best find the relevant sample um but uh i think it's more relevant to focus on what's been done recently instead of adding in Add it, yep yeah adding in the previous production yeah and um my inclination is when i do break things out one would find that that's actually probably going to be more predictive i would assume um you know the the other it's it's interesting too just to have the discussion of like in something are there cases where the more data that you introduce um does that actually add noise and distract and i can say that um you know there's definitely cases where that is and it's interesting uh too because we have a couple of tools on the site for example the running back prospect lab that lets people um select different inputs and it uses that to you know create a model and build out projections and we actually decided that we would limit the amount of variables that people could put because oftentimes people would assume that putting more variables into a model is going to make it better um, but oftentimes it actually uh, gives you problems because you'll have variables that um, are somewhat redundant um, and then those do things that are actually going to ruin your results so it's pretty interesting and you had said one other thing Oh, yeah. One other thing that I was tinkering with here, too, is in a process like this, there's a couple of options of how you display the numbers. So you can truncate off the top end and the low end, um, or you could leave everything in. What would be your thought here, Matt, if you're a user of this? And one option is you can select the player. If I did turn this into a tool, you can select the players that get included. Um, is that the preference versus having something that truncates off or something that just includes the results of all 25 players? What do you think? I think something that includes the results of all 25. That way you can yep. you can see them. Yeah. Um, do you want to do one more player before we close down? Uh, yes, one more. Um, would you? I'll give you the option of which one we do. Would you rather yep. have Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon? Um. They're both really, really interesting to me. Let's do Joe Mixon, though. I find you know, him a little bit more interesting. You know what? One what? more option. I'm going to give you Aaron Jones. You, you pick let's, which one. Yeah, let's do Aaron Jones. Okay. All right. Aaron Jones, at this point, 25, three years in the league, 6'9", 208, um, 2,255 rushing yards, 28 rushing touchdowns, um, 702 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns. Of course, the interesting thing here is so much of that production is last season. Right. Andre Ellington. Um, oh, shoot. You know what? I don't know. I'm going to have to throw that out because I don't think that I had told it yet that there's two Adrian Petersons. So I'm going to have to throw that out. Okay. Um, Ahmad Bradshaw, D'Angelo Williams, Dominic Davis, Marion Barber, Alfred Morris, Jarek McKinnon, Chester Taylor. That's a pretty good list. Is it really? I think that's a pretty good list. Can can you go through it one more time? 
Yep, so you have Andre Ellington, Ahmad Bradshaw, D'Angelo Williams, Dominic Davis, Marion Barber, Alfred Morris, Jarek McKinnon, and Chester Taylor. Yeah, I mean, D'Angelo Williams, I, I think that, I think that's a pretty decent list. But yep. um, the thing is, I'm thinking of those guys at their peak and yep. not of them really when they're falling off. Yeah, that's true. So th- these guys, though, um, actually just out of those players that I listed were pretty strong. They averaged more than 10 and a half points per game in their next three seasons. Yeah. You know, and I'm wondering too, if I actually need to do something where it's not just saying across their next three seasons, because you can have a clouded perception off of that list where it's like, you know, the first two seasons, the guy was scoring 20 points a game and then he just really fell off in the third season. Right. So perhaps that's actually not the appropriate measure. Let's brainstorm what makes more sense to show maybe just to show out what he did in the next three seasons and have a column for each of those. Yeah. I honestly, I think that's best to show what he did in the next three years. All right. Well, I think we made some uh, pretty good progress here. Any closing thoughts on that? Uh, no, thank you for walking me through the tool. I appreciate that. Um, so if this is something that people did find interesting, let me know and we can do more things like this in the future. If not, uh, we will pivot away from that. Uh, in any event, don't forget to, well, actually, you know what? By the time you hear this, I think we will have recorded the Fantasy Mansion so you cannot get your questions in. So that will do it for this episode of Rotoviz Radio. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at MattFTheOracle. You can send us an email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Thanks to Bet Online, the FFPC, Sunday Tickets, Deal Dash and Fandraft for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Sports are back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up to date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.